0: My name is Martha
1: and this is Colby on Martha and Colby Grow Up.
0: A podcast where we talk about the things that made us who we are and where we're going in the future.
1: Because every week we're finding a new way that we're growing up.
0: Hi, I'm Martha
1: and this is Colby on Martha. Nope. Yeah, Martha and Colby Grow Up. <laughs> We're, we're leaving that in. <laughs> yeah, let's leave it. <laughs> this this is the podcast called Mark and We Grow Up.
0: A podcast where 20-something's navigate life apart together. Welcome back. Wow. Yeah, it's it's been a while. We we've been over on our other show, The Four Nations Report. Um promo, you can certainly listen to that. We're up to episode 10 in our rewatch by the time this one comes out. So, that's exciting. It's been fun. But we're back now. <laughs> And with another question of the week, Colby, what's the question of the week?
1: What is the last song you added to a playlist on your streaming service of choice?
0: Good question. Um, I use Spotify as my streaming service of choice. Uh, and so I I have, you know, your Discover Weekly playlist. I have this something called If This Then That. And it's like an automation thing. And it automates the playlists. I actually have two of them set up for Spotify, so it's super nerdy. But it takes all your Discover Weekly songs and then it puts them on a separate playlist so you don't ever lose them. In case you're wondering how cool I am. And then I also have one if Pitchfork comes out with a new hot song on their website. I will get that in a playlist as well. So the last song I added to my Discover Weekly archive via automation... I'm just taking up time because it's a long time to scroll. Uh, it's called Silo by Richie Mitch and the Coal Miners, and I have not listened to it yet, but I will listen after <laughs> and let you guys know how, how it is. Uh, Colby,
1: what about you? So today I was listening to Strong Songs, which is a music theory, like intro music theory podcast, and they were doing a question-answer question episode, and one of the questions was about this song called Ro- Roll by Fatay, who is a Australian like folk pop R&B singer. She was on The Voice in Australia in 2012. She's really good. Um, she has a lot of awesome medleys on her YouTube channel. But Roll was the song they were talking about. And I immediately added it to my general playlist.
0: I, uh, I was obsessed with The Voice when I... Studied abroad and I don't watch it here, but I loved it there for some reason. No idea why. Um, anyways, we have a special guest this week, so I will give her a chance to tell us the last song she added um, and then I'll go ahead and introduce her. We're just, you'll just have a mystery voice for a little bit. <laughs>
2: uh, I also use Spotify and I was looking through my suggestions this week and clicked on the baby making playlist, which was. Uh, really fun and then i found this song that i happen to love from like the
0: 90s i think called i want to know by joe and it's a great song
1: it's a banger
0: i dated a guy who had a um we'll say a, a similar playlist in the same vein and he called it bacon and eggs
1: Ooh, i don't like that yeah yeah
0: it's it's weird like i guess like oh you'll stay over and i'll make you breakfast i don't know anyways We have with us this week Jess Leone, and she is an intuitive cooking teacher. And you may know her as Garlic Press Jess on Instagram. Welcome, Jess. Hi. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. Uh, We'll just start off with an easy one. Uh, Tell us about yourself. Who are you, and what do you do? I'm Jess. I just turned
2: 32. I live in San Francisco currently. I've been here for about eight years. But I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, born and raised, and my parents are, and my grandparents are, and I'm obsessed with cooking and eating and everything related to food. So that's the quick version.
0: Awesome. Is that your full time job, or do you is that like on the side, your blog and stuff?
2: Yes, that is my full time job.
0: Oh, cool. Building online cooking
2: classes. Uh, yeah, I had my I had a eight week cooking course that I launched last fall as a test run, and then um, the full version launched in January. So that ran like January through March. Uh, and now I am working on new classes, kind of revisioning it um, to relaunch it soon.
1: So who taught you how to cook?
2: Well, I my family is just obsessed with food. Um, I'm part Italian, a little bit Lebanese, kind of like an American mutt, but big food culture in my family. Um, my parents are both really great cooks, just also kind of like self-taught themselves. But just my family is really obsessed with food. I didn't really realize how that we were like more obsessed than most people until like college and then got getting into other, uh, experiencing other people's lives and realizing they weren't as obsessed with food as my family was. Um, but when I went to college, like, so when I had my first apartment, I was a sophomore in college, I didn't know how to cook anything. So first year I just made scrambled eggs and like warmed up vegetables that I bought at the, um, at the like prepackaged or you know, like the deli counter, but the vegetables are already cooked. I would just warm them up again. But um, then I started, I think I, I think I had confidence to know I could cook because my parents did. Um, And, you know, I'd helped my mom growing up cooking, but um, so anyway, I just, I was just naturally curious about it. And I, um, I started going to the farmer's market. That was the first time I had gone to a farmer's market that was like really amazing uh, in DC. And so each week I would just buy one new vegetable I didn't know how to make. And I would just come home and like try to figure out how to make it. And then over time, I just got really good at it. And then I like had this epiphany a couple years later that I wanted to work in food. And then I've been working in food since 2012. So yeah, I moved out to San Francisco to work at a company called Revolution Foods that makes healthy lunches for schools. So I worked there for three years, not cooking, but just um, I did marketing for them. And then um, after three years there, it just wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And I was like, maybe I want to be closer to the food. So Uh, I quit that and went to work on a coffee farm in Hawaii for three months, just for a little adventure. Um, and then I just kind of started doing all kinds of different jobs to figure out what I really wanted to do next. Um, so then I kind of, I would say got my like 10,000 hours in cooking. Um, I worked for a bunch of caterers. I was like babysitting and trying to teach kids how to cook. Um, then I was personal chefing for families Then I was teaching cooking classes at people's houses and then my roommate moved out. So I would teach cooking classes at my apartment for like corporate groups. And then the whole time, I kind of wanted to build this like curriculum of how I would teach somebody to cook, just basic. Like, I just want to get normal, busy people who are working to be able to cook simply at home. Um, So I always wanted to make this curriculum. And then, but I realized I just wasn't doing it because I was doing all these, all these odd jobs. Um, And so finally, around last year, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on this and um, be able to sell it online. Then I can reach a lot more people and hopefully
0: impact, help more people learn how to cook. So yeah, that's the quick overview you're speaking my language because i'm i'm 26 and i feel like i should have an okay grasp on cooking and i and i do but then i feel like i make Colby stop that (laughs) (laughs) um colby shaking his head but uh no listen sometimes i do but sometimes i just like totally fuck up like a few weeks ago, I was, I was, I, I, sometimes I do those food boxes. So like Home Chef, Blue Apron, whatever. Yeah. And I got a food box and it was like, okay, cook the chicken. So fry in the pan for a little bit, then you're going to put it in the oven or maybe it was just fry in the pan. I I don't remember. Um, but I, I simultaneously burned the chicken and it was still raw. And I was, I like almost cried. I was like, This is something I should be able to do, and I have not been able to figure out the best way to cook chicken. I just don't know how. Uh, So that's a two-part question. One is, what's the best way to cook chicken? And then two is, what's your, I guess, like, advice for someone like me who doesn't really know what they're doing but just wants to eat well. That's maybe like a really big question. So. No, that's okay.
2: Well, honestly, that's why I'm doing what I do because I don't think there's a like one place you would go if you're a beginner and you want kind of like you know, of course you can google anything, you can look up and watch anything on YouTube for a specific question, but if you like want kind of like a a like a broader overview of like what should I be making that's easy? What should I be making that's healthy? Like what are give me like some guidelines? Like I don't think there's one place to go to get you know, a more holistic, like beginner's guide to cooking of how do you start and get into this? So that's actually what I kind of want to build, um, what I'm working on building. Yeah. Cause I want to, for me, um, in my life generally, I'm like very much a rule follower and like a planner and like a process type organized person. But for some reason in the kitchen, it's just like my free zone where I'm like creative and it's just like really enjoyable to me. And I love trying new things. And like not following the recipe exactly. And for some reason, it's always been that way for me, I guess. Um, And so I really want to help people kind of get away from having to follow the recipe exactly and like know how they can eventually start to be creative with it, but also like understand the fundamentals so that you know how to cook the chicken correctly. And like, you know, because the recipe is just words. And like, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's hard to translate that exactly into your own kitchen. Um, and also recipes don't give you like, if this happens, you should do that. Or like, if this goes wrong, you should do that. You know, like there's a lot of stuff that gets lost in a recipe, I think. And so that's why I really want to help people understand the fundamentals so that they can change it. So, um, to answer your chicken question, um, was it, was it a chicken breast, chicken thigh?
0: Boneless, skinless chicken breast.
2: So, um, first of all, that's the hardest kind of chicken to cook well, because it's the driest. It has no skin or anything on it to protect it and keep the moisture in. (laughs) Yeah, and I know like it's 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 common, it's easy, it's like what everybody makes. But to me, it's like actually like it's hard to get that right. Interesting.
1: Okay. It's super hard.
2: (laughs) So it's actually not what you really want to start with as a beginner. It's also like leaner, so it has less fat, right? Um, So fat is what kind of keeps moisture in and also keeps flavor in. And if, if the meat has more fat, it's actually Well, depending on what it is, but it's like more forgiving. Um, So I would say, so the other thing is, if you think about different cooking methods, like in a pan, um, it's like vaguely called sauteing things in a pan. Um, It's a very kind of aggressive cooking method. It's just like, it's very hot. And so there's like higher chance that you're going to burn it. Um, It also, you know, if the lid is off, then the heat is escaping from the top. So you're only getting heat just right where the pan is. But like, if you put the lid on, then you're kind of steaming it with a combination of cooking it from steam and also like direct heat underneath. Mm. So I would say it's actually probably, it's better to cook it in the oven, I would think. Um, I mean, it it depends on what you're going for. Like if you like the crispy crust, then of course, like what they, sounds like what they told you to do is like brown it on either side and then put it in the oven to finish it. That's like, that's generally what I would go with. Also chicken is, um, I mean, every time I cook chicken, I cut it in half to see if it's done like or put it or put a thermometer in like you got to do one or the other because chicken is very much like you have to cook it all the way through yeah um you know versus something like a steak that you want medium rare or medium well or like whatever you want it at um you know chicken you have to cook through so um I could continue (laughs) I can talk for a long time about
1: no please do
2: (laughs) about anything you want to know about or I mean about any topic of food I will I will go on forever I'm
0: learning so much right now (laughs)
2: um so when I teach people how to cook I usually start with chicken thighs um, I, because yes. those, those also to me have a lot more flavor. Um, they're also much more forgiving. If you overcook them, they don't dry out. Uh, I mean, you know, to a degree, like, of course, if you, you know, annihilate them, then they will dry out. But, um, generally speaking, they are easier to cook. I also kind of have a different, a little bit of a different take on like food. I kind of, I kind of like to get away from like, or I don't know, I grew up with generally eating, like there was like a protein and like a grain and like a vegetable or whatever, kind of sure. like general things that we used to eat. Um, or some people did. Um, I kind of like, that's not really my favorite like format. I like, like personally love like a one dish wonder or like salads or like sometimes I just like to eat three random things that don't go together. I don't know. (laughs) Like I just kind of like to break away from that protein, grain, grain, or whatever protein, grain, veggie, whatever thing you want to make. And I also really like to make things that last in the fridge better as leftovers or, um, and I also think about like things that can get frozen. So when I teach people how to make start off with chicken thighs, I like to like cook, cook, cook them in a stew or a curry because then you're like cooking it in a liquid. So it's a lot more forgiving and there's no like risk of burning as much. Um, and you kind of simmer it in the sauce and then you like get the flavor going everywhere.
1: That didn't really answer your question, but... So...
0: I, I do make a good soup. <laughs>
1: what What do you think is the biggest hurdle or the most common hurdle you see when you're teaching beginners how to cook? It's a
2: great question. The thing that I like to... Uh, encourage people is that I like to get away from the idea of right and wrong in cooking because there's actually a ton of different ways to do something. There's a ton of different ways to make something taste good. There's a ton of different ways to cook things. It's really about like what you like and you're kind of like, what do you have on hand? What equipment do you have? How much time do you have? And I also want to get people to think about like, the only right answer to me is if it tastes good to you. Does it taste good to you or does it not taste good to you? Um, Now, obviously, like, yeah, you can burn something, you know, you can, but that's really, you can, you can undercook it. But like, other than those two kind of extremes, um, I think I like to encourage people to like taste and adjust, which if you're new to cooking, then it's hard to like really know how to do that. Or maybe you're not used to doing that. But I really want to empower people to be confident that they can trust themselves and like really your taste buds should guide you. And then a little bit of cooking knowledge, I think you can go a long way.
0: I made a grilled cheese the other day and I was following Bon Appétit's recipe and it said use salted butter on top of the mayo. So it was like salted butter in the pan and then mayo on the bread and it was just like way too much salt. So Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I I think that I mean like I think that was my fault. It said unsalted, but I only had salted. So
2: No, I mean salt salt is also another way you can definitely go wrong. So obviously if you oversalt okay. it like there's not really a way to go back from that. So salt is one of the key things to learn and practice. I mean,
0: like I'm familiar with the salt, fat, acid, heat cookbook or whatever. Is that kind of along the lines of what you teach sort of thing or something different?
2: I love that cookbook and I love Samin, the author of that. Yeah, it's a great, it's great for like kind of the theories and her section on salt and yeah, her I mean all of the sections do explain kind of the fundamentals. I think the most important the most important thing with salt is like knowing how salty your salt is. There are different levels of saltiness with different kinds of salt depending on like how big the flakes are and all these different things. So Um, I recommend people start off with kosher salt is like the least salty because it's designed to be um, really big flakes so that they dissolve more quickly and they stick to food and you can see them better. Um, Whereas like table salt or even sea salt or ones that are finer are a little bit more salty. So if if, if it's less salty, which just means bigger flakes, you can add more and it doesn't you know, get salty so fast. So, but the number one thing is just to know how salty your salt is and then just continue to use the same one that you're familiar with. Um, and then just, yeah, like, like you said, thinking about how many salty ingredients are in the dish. And so just being aware that if there's more than one salty ingredient, you might be at risk for over salting. And I think the thing is to just be aware of that. And if you're, if you're not super confident in your ability to salt, then just always start with really let not a lot of salt and then, you know, add slowly, slowly, slowly and keep tasting it as you go. So you can, get to know your salt and get to know how it affects your food
1: i feel like i misunderstood salt on the other side until i started watching a bunch of cooking shows and they're like all right it's time for a pinch of salt and then they grab a fistful of salt (laughs) i was like in what world is that a pinch yeah um and, and i started realizing when what you said like a flakier salt we switched from using table salt when we were like, preparing to a Himalayan pink salt. Oh, nice. Which is a bit of a, yeah. like, your salt.
0: Well, aren't you better than me? <laughs> I like cooking. I really like cooking.
1: <laughs> it a 100% changed how, like, what my food tasted like.
0: Wow. Yeah. What is one cookbook you have either loved recently or typically recommend? I mean, like are you familiar with the Alison Roman drama like what's cuz my dad I was over at my dad's house and he's like he she can't go wrong I love all of her recipes but I'm like well she made these kind of big statements so curious to hear your take on that and like the cookbook Drama world, I guess. Oh there is can
1: you explain the cookbook drama oh, world? Because oh my gosh, <laughs> I've been keeping up with like the Bon Appetit drama, but no nothing... oh yeah, that's a
0: new yeah, that's a new drama too. So there's a lot of cooking drama, I guess. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about the cookbook drama.
0: <laughs> yeah, do you want to take that, Jess, or I can quickly explain it?
2: So Alison Roman, I was always thinking of her as like the current it girl of food right now, or. Er- previous to a few, um, about a month ago. Um, so she's the it girl of food. She went really viral on Instagram. A lot of her recipes were getting dubbed the blank. So she started out with the cookies. Then she had the stew. Then she, and then everybody just started calling anything she made that went viral, like the thing. So yeah, she had two cookbooks. Her second one came out this year. Um, wrote for the New York times, Bon Appetit. And, um, she, she's been, I mean, she's been making huge interview rounds. Um, I should say I'm, I mean, I follow all this stuff relatively closely, so I was reading a ton of her interviews. She was on all the podcasts, all the you know interviews, and she did an interview, I think, in mid-May. Is that when it was? Yeah, mid-May. Um, and she basically, I don't, I don't know what the exact term is, but like, made some rude remarks about um, Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo and how they kind of sold out in different ways in their businesses, and then. You know, so she was called out for criticizing two women of color, criticizing their businesses, criticizing other women and food. Um, And then so then everybody started talking about her culturally appropriating different foods. And, you know, there was this huge like Internet shitstorm um, <laughs>
1: frenzy over it. I remember. Th- I just didn't know what her name was. Like, <laughs> I, I remember what this is. Yeah,
0: I guess. Yeah, she sort of came under fire for calling out these very two successful Asian women and people are like, yo, you can't do that. That's not good. And she sort of like made a non-apology and then she did apologize eventually. Yeah. Um, This is like pretty recently. So within a couple weeks and then it, I don't know, the media cycle changed over and people forgot about her.
2: Sort of until yet until Monday.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's like until other things happen. So Because I feel like my opinion as a non-chef, as someone who barely cooks, who almost considered getting McDonald's today. Nothing wrong with
2: McDonald's. Yeah, nothing wrong if you want to eat it.
0: But anyways, my take is I feel like food is something for everyone, you know? And so I guess I'm curious, like, this this very prominent white woman, how she sort of came in and sort of, I don't want to say, like, slandered these two Asian women or... And, and with the Bon Appetit stuff, uh, like that just seems like a bad look. So, what's your take on? Yeah, what's your take on all that? I've asked that like three times, and then we just keep talking. So I'll, yeah. I'll let you speak um, now.
2: I mean, first of all, I think it's a sign of her privilege that she could sh- she could call out two Asian women and not realize that she was doing something wrong. Um, so I think it's wrong that she criticized them like that, and and especially that it was two Asian women. I think that there's a lot of issues wrapped up in this. I mean, I thought about it for a long time and had a bunch of conversations with a bunch of my friends about it. Um, and I think there's a lot of, I mean, before (laughs) everything that's happening now, like there were a lot of, uh, a lot of issues there. Um, the conversation was also about, it was about like making money in food. So it was about like Alison Roman saying, I would never, like put my name on a product line the way that Chrissy Teigen did at Target and then, you know, make um, tons of dollars with like all this cooking equipment that people don't need. Well, kind of like that kind of thing, something like that. So she was kind of criticizing, like how do you make money? So one thing that I heard there that other people might not is just like a question of like making money and food from my perspective working in food food's not really an industry people go into to like make a whole lot of money because Alison Roman's recipes are viral but that doesn't mean people are paying her for the recipe. I mean, people are buying her cookbook and she has like a lot more cookbook sales than a lot of other people who write cookbooks. I mean, there's a million cookbooks. There's also a million food blogs. There's like billions of recipes on the internet. So, how does one person stand out in that world? It's like really, I mean, it's rare. Of course, tons of people want to. Um, so one of the questions that I always ask, especially in this light is like, what made Alison Roman get this level of like everybody being obsessed with her? Is it really, I mean, is it just that her recipes are good? Is it more about her brand? Is it more about like the right place, the right time? You know, because a lot of people write really good recipes and they don't get recognized for it or, you know, what makes somebody catch on that everybody knows about it. So that was just something that I was thinking about. Um, the other big thing that I thought about in it was the the cultural appropriation thing because so her stew, which is one of her most famous recipes, a lot of people are like, it's a curry. Why isn't she just calling it a curry? And they had this little like headline that she had, they had, I guess some people had criticized it like earlier on. And then they had co- added this little byline about like, it evokes flavors of India and the Caribbean, but like not really talking about it. Um, and that's something that I think about a lot and have been thinking about a lot in the last month since then. Um, because you know, recipes, I mean, when I, I started my food blog and I mean, I've never posted consistently on it, but I did start a food blog in 2015. And one of the questions, and when I first started it that I always think about is like, what is the ethical thing to do when you make somebody else's recipe and you change it? Like, when do you get to call it your recipe? Um, and most food bloggers who were like prominent at the time when I was starting my blog would have rules of like, like if you're gonna, you know, this is like what I would expect if you're going to like redo this recipe and post it on your site. And so I think like that recipe ownership of who really owns something um and also like what is a recipe even worth because like most people don't pay for recipes most people just get the recipes free online and most people you know don't even want to subscribe to the New York Times to get the recipes there which is what you would have to do to support Alison Roman monetarily or any of the other people writing recipes there but I think it's really important to think about and a lot of the things I've been reading this week are about like you know well Alison Roman makes this curry-like thing, doesn't acknowledge it's a curry, and then she gets famous for it? Like, she doesn't have authority to make curry, which is totally valid. And it's also like, you know, people have been making curry for thousands of years, which curry is also like the Anglicized name of it. It's not even in India. They just call it by the name of whatever the dish is. It's not like called curry. And like, of course, why everybody has a right to be mad that their culture doesn't get, you know, doesn't get recognized or doesn't get paid or doesn't get fame for something they've been doing for thousands of years. Like I think they have every right to be mad about that and get mad when a white lady gets, gets famous for it. Um, I think that's completely valid. And I guess what I've been thinking about the most this week is like, readers and people who are making this food. Why are you looking to Alison Roman for a curry? Like don't look to her for a curry. Go find the people who really know about curry. Um, so I, yeah, so it's something that I think about and I care about. And, um, I think, you know, there's a difference between an individual cooking something in their kitchen. And, um, I love cooking foods from other cultures because for me, it's a way to learn and it's a way to like celebrate other people's cultures and just experience a new way of eating something. So like, I love doing that. But as I think it's it's very different to cook something from somebody else's culture and then for like me as a cooking teacher to teach you this thing and like then it like raises me to some certain level of authority that I may or may not have. Um, and so I just have been thinking a lot about like, I mean I think there's value in encouraging people to make food from other cultures, hopefully as a way for them to like learn and celebrate the genius of other people's food, because I think there's just genius in other people's food, other cultures food that I would want people to learn and celebrate. But I think it's really important to do it in the right way, especially as a white person teaching people to cook. So
0: yeah, no, that I think that's a great take on it. I feel like it is important to give credit from where these foods came from, and sort of acknowledge the twist you're putting on them. Because I don't know. Like this is so completely not on the same level, but we're, we all live in different uh, locations in the United States. And if someone were to say, Hey, Martha, like I made a tater hot dish, but I called it like a potato crisp hot dish. Like, okay. Terrible example, whatever. But, um, I'd be like, no, that's like, you got that from Northern Minnesota. Like that's a Northern Minnesota dish. And you're trying to like pass it off you know, as your own. Um, Sorry, I get that. I don't think that's that's obviously not a great example. But I think there's there's something to be said about food, because it's so universal, everyone needs to eat that I, I could see how the lines sometimes become blurred. And maybe that's not something you think about. Um, Obviously, you think about it, which is great. And I, that's great to be conscious of in your work. I mean, like, my ethnicity of food is like let me cook an italian dish tonight i'm i'm not great at it uh and that's something i want to work on as i expand to like more food because i'm also a really picky eater which is neither here nor there
1: i guess but uh
0: you know that sandwich meme that was going around i don't think i did do you see that on like twitter like oh pick your sandwich
1: it was like uh it was like a list of like 40 some sandwiches it was like uh I'm a Monte Crisco tag yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, like mine was a number two, a grilled cheese. So... <laughs> Wait, Colby,
2: I want to hear what you think about
1: it. I don't have many more thoughts about the Allison Roman stuff. I think you summarized that really well.
0: Do you want to talk about the Bon Appetit stuff?
1: Yeah, like, I mean, really quickly. Um, Sola, who is one of the on-camera talent people at um, Bon Appetit, uh, put on her Instagram story that she was being dramatically underpaid by the Bon Appetit staff as well as the other people of color who appear on camera for Bon Appetit. And it was a whole thing surrounding their, not only their editor-in-chief who ended up resigning after a lot of stuff came out about him, but it, it ended up going like all the way up to the brass of Condé Nast that runs Bon Appetit, Vogue, like all of those magazines. But one thing I, I saw in the Twitter conversation about Bon Appetit is that a lot of the people of color who are on camera, like Priya, they bring Priya on camera to make Indian food. They bring Christina on cha- camera to make uh, Asian food. I'm not sure if he's Chinese or Korean or whatever, East Asian. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to guess. Um, meanwhile, like, Molly gets to play around in whatever culture she wants. Chris really gets to play around in whatever culture she wants. Brad does the same. And it's not that they aren't allowed to do that because they 100% are. They are trained chefs who have been trained, I'm sure, in all these disciplines. But they are able to be an authority, as you said, Jess, on all of those foods while the other chefs in the text kitchen were relegated to their ancestral part of the world, which is 100% unfair.
2: Yeah,
1: I totally agree. And it's a waste of their talents. Like, Sola is hi, one of the most talented people. in the. like, it's obvious to everyone. Like, I made a joke to my friends. This is a joke. This is not... It's a joke. That uh, Claire Sappet's role in the t- in Gourmet Makes would be done if Sola was not very temper tempered chocolate for her. And, like, it was mind-blowing that there could be that level of disparity for... Obvious talent in what should be a meritocracy. Yeah,
2: I was so upset when she posted that that they don't get paid for their that the people of color there don't get paid for their video appearances. I was like, are you kidding me? That's like I'm obsessed with Priya. I love her so much. I just started following her maybe in the last year, but like she's so great. And actually, a couple weeks ago, I don't really listen to the so I I. I subscribed to Bon Appetit, the magazine, but honestly more just because I want to support paying people who write about food because most of the time they, they don't get paid a ton. But I, I mean, I've watched some of the videos, but I don't watch them as much as like probably a lot of people do, or maybe that I should.
1: I watch them all the time. <laughs> I was watching them all the time.
2: Yeah. But I know that like they have a huge following and everybody loves all the personalities on there. Um, and so I've watched a few of Priya's, but anyway, I, I love Priya and I listened to her. Um, she, she, so she got like stuck in quarantine with her parents and um, in Texas and her parents, her, so I have her cookbook. I just got it like earlier this year and I've been obsessed with it. It's so good. I love it. It's very like fits kind of my style of cooking. And it's also like a love letter to her mom and her parents, um, which I just really love. But, uh, the Adam Rappaport was interviewing her, the, the editor in chief, um, interviewing her like about being stuck at home with her parents. And I was just like, the interview rubbed me the wrong way so much because he first of all it seemed like he didn't really know her and I I didn't know how to take that because I was like aren't you like don't you guys work together like shouldn't you like know each other like I just it felt like he didn't know her and then the other thing was he was asking her so he asked her like so you know they were kind of talking about like her being in her childhood bedroom with her parents whatever and he said something like well is your family like a chicken family or a fish family and she's like my family is a vegetarian family like hello you know a lot of people from India are vegetarians like and he just was like he didn't under he did not comprehend this at all and he asked her like a follow-up question like yeah but like chicken or fish she's like we're vegetarian I just like he I I was so upset I was really mad about it I was like he's so I just I couldn't take it I was really upset so it so I was less surprised when I saw that stuff come out because I was like F that guy um. Anyway.
1: It was really bad.
0: Maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I don't know. I guess I still am.
1: There was another interview where they had, like, the entire Test Kitchen staff on stage, and he called Priya Sola on stage.
2: I didn't see that, but I heard about it, and... Ugh.
1: And you can see like on the other people's faces, like that he actually just yeah. too bad. Dude.
2: Oh, I know what I was gonna say. So I was I was I was deep diving into a lot of this cultural appropriation articles of food and stuff. Um because I do think it's complicated. Or I mean it's it's just
1: it's not straightforward.
2: Yeah, it's not because I mean I think any individual like I just think it's so joyful to get to experience another person's cooking. Like for me, like I consider myself to be a good cook. But like this year I started to try to learn about like Mexican salsas and it just like puts me straight into beginner's mind of like, I don't know anything about making Mexican salsas from scratch. And it's like so exciting to me to be able to realize like how little I know and have to think about like, wow, like how many different kinds of people at home making this stuff and like what are the, you know, the guidelines they follow. And I just think it's such a great way to learn and have empathy for other people and just get to experience like culture and history and joy. Um, But I also understand why, you know, people will get mad about it. So I do think it's like something sensitive. But anyway, I found this article um, from like some college students. I don't know if they were grad students, but they had one of this. This woman had done an analysis of all the articles on the New York Times cooking and like by by ethnicity of the recipe and then like the the author's ethnicity. And it was like everything was majority white. All the different cultures had majority right recipe authors. And I was like, that is BS. Like, that is just not okay at all. Um, and, you know, and they, and then they did this kind of, like, analysis and talking about
1: it. But also, like, cooking, like, learning about other cultures and, like, trying to cook those foods makes you a better cook. Definitely. Like, it just straight up, like, one day I was making a recipe and I was like, oh, wish, wish sh- whatever that English sauce is called. like, oh, I don't have <laughs> that. I do have soy sauce, though. And I know that they taste it. Right. Somewhere enough that I can use it. Like if you learn those other, just learn how to make more foods yeah. generally, yeah. you're going to be better at cooking.
2: Yeah. So I, in my course, I taught, like I teach a whole, whole like <laughs> one of the formats that we learn is like soups, stews, and curries. Cause they basically follow the kind of the same principles of cooking behind them. It's just like how much liquid you're putting in, what kind of, you know, you're cu- managing the cooking times. And so I had two curries in there. Um, which now I'm like reflecting on if that's okay or not. But, um, but like I had a lot of people tell me, oh, like I would never think to make a curry. Like that's something that I eat out, but like, I would never think to make that. And I'm like, well, it's super easy. It's like a really convenient kind of food to make. It's super healthy. It's, you can't really mess it up. Like you should start making it. So I think if I, you know, if I can, I mean, if I can get people to start thinking about that, like, I think that's a net positive, but I want to, I just want to take more care to make sure that I do it in the way that is sensitive and, and celebrates other cultures. That's really what I want to do. So,
0: well, it seems like you're doing a good job and definitely thinking about, you know, the right things. And I, I can't say that like I'm at that level because I, I really cook the same, like 10 things. Uh, but I, I think that's important. I think, um, so hopefully the listeners, yeah, you know, will will take away that.
2: All right, Martha, I want to see if I can use my intuitive cooking approach and see if I can give you some pointers to increase your repertoire from your 10
0: recipes that you make.
2: <laughs> okay, so real, really quick, give me your 10 recipes and we're going to pick one to dive into. Just like the quick name.
0: Okay, uh, salmon, asparagus, pizza, grilled cheese, tacos. Um, I make a chicken, chicken dumpling soup. Uh... The other, it's it's a variation of like chicken and vegetables for the other five. Okay, we can go. We can go with. We can go with those.
2: Okay, I'm gonna pick um tacos. I want to hear Colby. Maybe Colby, you could give us your five to seven go tos, and I'm gonna pick one of yours too. Uh,
1: let's see. Uh, we're gonna get real southern. Um, Love it. <laughs> we can do like uh some sort of like pork chops. Okay. Um, we've done um. Oh God, now I'm thinking like a steak dinner um yesterday we had like a, a salmon like a, a broiled salmon
0: don't forget your fried steak you do fried a lot
1: oh we did um like cube steak but that's different i don't want to add that one here wait
2: actually colby i remembered from your other podcast i listened to that you don't love vegetables
1: i don't love vegetables
2: but there's a couple that you like
1: i'm getting there actually yesterday i went to a i went to a burger place and i did not take anything off the burger when I eat oh. it I'm okay.
0: <laughs>
2: wow. okay wait I might actually change my tactic for you though because I know you're a good cook so I might try to change my tactic to see if I can get you to like a different vegetable so what tell me about a vegetable dish that you like
1: a vegetable dish that I like or a dish that
2: yeah or like a vegetable you've eaten anywhere that you like liked a lot a,
1: a vegetable heavy dish that we do is just kind of like a, a hibachi stir fry with onions and zucchini okay, cool. and
2: Okay, great. Okay, I'm gonna pick my two. So Martha, I'm gonna do you first though. Okay. Okay. So your tacos. So tell me about your tacos. Like, how do you make them? What's in them?
0: Yes. Quick overview. Well, not a lot. I'll be honest. They're uh, they're referred to as gringo tacos um, in most of the world. Just kidding. No, I think I went to Mexico once and they were like gringo tacos. Anyways, um, I recently switched to ground turkey. So I do turkey and then put the taco seasoning. I just have flour tortillas, uh cheese and lettuce. That's it.
2: <laughs> okay. Do you have a favorite vegetable that you like cook or eat?
0: Yes. Um, I you know what I actually don't hate vegetables. I do I've been really improving my green intake. Um I've gotten into kale. Um, I really like spinach. So I, I put spinach in the taco instead of just like straight up lettuce.
2: Oh, awesome. Okay.
0: Um, asparagus is good too. So yeah, I, I have Brussels sprouts. I like most vegetables.
2: Okay. So um, I should say another thing. I'm, I'm, I'm all about like starting where you are and then being able to – because everybody has go-tos, right? Like that is how we all cook. Mm-hmm. So I think really what's a way to get more variety into your cooking without a lot of effort is that you just switch a few little things in your go-tos. And so when you understand how to do that, then you can kind of make the same food a lot, but like not be bored because you know how to like mix up the flavors and the different different elements of the cooking. Sure. Okay, so a um, couple ideas for you on how to change up your tacos. So um, first of all, I would add an onion to that sauteed turkey meat. Ooh,
0: okay. I could do that.
2: Red onion, yellow onion, whatever you want. You could also add some fresh garlic if you happen to have that. So you don't have to do these all at once. You could just take one or you could take all of them at the same time, whatever you want to
0: do. I'm writing this down.
2: (laughs) You could also add a vegetable to that saute with the meat. You can just chop up asparagus and put that right in there. You could, um, if you're going to, so here's what you're going to do. If it's a vegetable that takes a little bit longer to cook, then you want to add it in the beginning or the middle of the sauteing time. Um, If it's a green, you're going to add it at the end. So if it's a green and you want to wilt it, you're just going to add at the end, mix it in, give it like a minute and it'll be good to go.
0: What would you recommend to add? Like
2: I would do spinach or kale are both great. If you have the kale, you can also um, take the stalks and you can chop those up and saute those in the beginning with whenever you add the onion or the garlic in the beginning, chop up the kale stalks and put those in in the beginning. Cool. Um, So I think this is a great way to just get more veggies in there. It's also going to like fill out your meat. So you end up with more meat, which could be more meals. Um it also just adds more texture to the turkey so you get different kinds of bites in there.
0: Turkey is pretty bland, yeah.
2: Yeah, turkey doesn't have a lot of fat so it's very lean so it's and so you need more flavor. The next another thing you could do you don't have to do these all at once but um you're using whatever whatever seasoning you're using you could consider either using a different, different kinds of spices. So you could, you could first, first step would be to look at that seasoning packet and see what season, what spices are actually in there and then see if you have any of those in your pantry. And you could experiment with either just using one or two, um, or you could add, I know, well, I know you like, I think you like more plain food, but I was going to say you could, you could consider adding like, um, a spicier spice if you wanted, or even just a more flavorful, like chipotle powder, Hmm is just more flavorful, like more smoky than just like a basic taco seasoning mix. So if you want to like late, maybe later on, you could start to go, go there. But um, if you wanted to be really creative, you could also not use the Mexican like tech um, fajita seasoning or whatever you're using, and you could just use different spices. So you could actually take it in a totally different direction with a different kind of spice mix, but maybe that's a little more. Like I really, I really like, so the combination of cumin and cinnamon, cinnamon seems like something most people don't cook with generally in like savory food, but I love cinnamon and savory food. I also just happen to be obsessed with cinnamon. So if you're not into cinnamon, maybe it doesn't work, but like, (laughs) um, cumin and cinnamon and like lemon is kind of like a Moroccan-y type flavor i have this thing called like flavor families so different cuisines have like different ingredients that they use that kind of bring together the flavors of that cuisine um and so i like to like use the same base ingredients but then use the different flavoring ingredients from different cuisines and you can make the same dish but have different kind of go around the world with it i love it um okay and the last thing i would say you could buy a salsa to add to that put on top of your tacos all
0: right that's the last step i don't know that seems scary
2: (laughs) you could also put some avocado on there if you wanted um or you can put some guac on it you know i'm all about like more toppings you could also put some like crunchy nuts on it okay a little different little sour cream i'll start over so (laughs) i love doing um more toppings or just like do if you're gonna make it week over week just do different toppings so one week you do cheese and lettuce one week you do salsa one week you do guac
0: okay okay all right that seems that seems
2: yeah fair don't do all of those at once just pick one for your next change and then the next time, you can see if you liked it, and then you can pick a different one.
0: I do like... I, I recently made a salad. Nice. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah. No, that was that was good.
2: Um, Salad dressing is, is actually one of the first things I teach people, because you're literally just mixing stuff together. There's no cooking. There's no heat. Yeah. Just stirring three ingredients. Totally. Okay, wait. We're going to go to Colby's vegetable. Colby, I, I got really into that. I got really into that lesson, so you're going to have to remind me what you said.
0: <laughs> no, that was great.
1: Well, first, that human cinnamon idea is so good Oh, thanks! like I, i've never thought about that because
0: <laughs> i'm like gonna make tacos tomorrow
1: <laughs> cinnamon kind of has like that i don't want to say like spiciness like capsaicin spiciness but it like it has like that yeah spice that's a really good idea i'm gonna remember that
2: it also so i love roasting um carrots and celery celery seems like a weird thing to roast but carrots and celery roasted with cumin and cinnamon Mm. i i used to use that as like a um kind of like a mexican vegetable option for taco filling instead of a meat um but you can take it if you add so like Cumin and cinnamon are actually used in a a bunch of different cuisines called um, spice mixes. So you can then, like, take it Moroccan by adding some lemon and saffron or whatever. You could take it Mexican by adding salsa guac, whatever. You can take it in a bunch of different directions. You could take it Indian by adding, like, yogurt and cilantro and, um, you know, whatever else. So it's, like, a good base. So I'm glad you like it. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Oh, vegetables I like.
2: Yeah. Or remind me what you said before. I just completely forgot because I got all wrapped up in the...
1: Um, The last thing I said was the um, the hibachi.
2: Hibachi. Um, Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, so tell me about that dish, how you make it. What's in it?
1: So we cut, we normally do chicken. Sometimes we do shrimp. Most of the time we do chicken. We cut the chicken. We add salt, garlic powder, soy sauce. We've toyed with adding soy sauce in the beginning, soy sauce at the end. We normally do soy sauce throughout. I think it normally tastes better that way. And then when the chicken's done, we take that off. I've learned I need to do zucchini first, start the zucchini, and then add onion. Um the whole time those are going. We add most of the time the same spices there. Nice. Um when that's done, we do the rice that we made yesterday with uh we normally cook it in our grease that we save from like bacon and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, amazing. Love it.
1: Uh cook it with that, um, and then a scrambled egg over. Visualizing my kitchen right now. Yeah, that sounds
2: that <laughs> sounds great. That sounds
1: delicious. Yeah, I put that in that pan over here. Um, when the veggies are nice and soft, how we like them. Um, I put the chicken back in that pan and add honey and lemon juice. Yum. over there. Um, and then we move that all of the the meat and veggies into the uh, pan with the rice and egg and combine it.
2: Love it. Love it. Um, okay. Well, that sounds delicious. Stir fry is, and like, yeah, sauteing things is just kind of the easiest, fastest way to make food. And, um, I love that method because you can kind of throw anything you want in there. Um, it's, but yeah, as a, I think as a beginner versus more experienced cook, like you have to you know, you have to keep your eyes on it all the time and like manage the cooking times. And that's the hardest part, especially for using different ingredients, like meat plus vegetables and then vegetables that cook at different times. So you obviously sound like you're a pro with that. If I, if I was going to give you ideas just of like ways you could do this a little differently. Well, you sound like you're into cool ingredients or just, you know, expanding your ingredients. So I don't know. Have you ever tried fish sauce? I have not. Okay. It's a little unique. It's so it's made out of um, fermented anchovies and salt. So those are the only ingredients, but it's, um, it's used a lot in like Burmese cooking, Vietnamese cooking. Um, I have this favorite Burmese curry that I love and like the fish sauce just has a lot of umami. So it might not be the first thing I would recommend, but it, it comes to mind because it is like a unique flavor. It also like it, when you smell it, you're kind of like, mm, it's, yeah, it's really intense. No. But like when it's in the food, it's really good. Like when it's in the food, it just kind of blends in and it's, it's salty though. So you have to know that. But, um, I would say. Like some other kind of Asian ingredients that I like to like mix and match are like miso. I don't know if you've ever used miso. You make like kind of, it's like a paste. Um, Mm -hmm. You can make like a sauce out of it um, with uh, like rice wine vinegar, which also might be like an interesting spin if you didn't want to use lemon or didn't have lemon one day and you had a little bit of rice vinegar. That would be like a good mix in. I would also say that if you ever felt so inclined, you could try putting some turmeric and coriander, ground Mm. turmeric and coriander in the beginning when you make your, um, or like beginning or middle, maybe like middle that with soy sauce actually goes really well. And that's kind of like a little bit for more of like a Burmese flavor, but you sound like you're doing, Oh, and then there was one other idea I had. Um, so I'm not really into canned vegetables, but, um, water chestnuts are like a canned kind of like Asian vegetable that I feel like I used to eat at like pf chains or something but they're actually really good because i during quarantine i was kind of going through my whole pantry of like random things i've bought and i happened to find, find these water chestnuts ah. and so i was like okay i'll throw these in like what the heck but they're actually like they keep their crunch really well so they add like a really nice crunchy and the flavor of them is just very mild it's like very neutral so they were kind of a cool random
1: <laughs> i'm learning with the canned vegetables because we we go between like fresh and canned depending on like how ambitious we're feeling that day okay so like like i said i'm a southern boy love it we you know, <laughs> and, and we don't have the time to do like collars or turnip greens yeah. or mustard greens i like with the shearing and the and all that it's a lot yeah and then we tried we tried the canned collars one time, and they were terrible. We started adding that same grease the the baking grease, yeah, to the collars and better right there.
2: Wow. Nice. Yeah.
1: Red pepper flakes. Yeah. 25% better there. You just, you really just have to hammer as much flavor in there as possible. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) To get what you want. I should
2: say, I don't really eat any other canned vegetables. This water chestnut was totally random, but um, fresh vegetables are where it's at. Um, Just, it's like, it's kind of just a nice, like, texture. I, I, like, love crunchy things. So just, like, and adding different textures. So it was just, like, a nice random Um, Especially if you're like in the stir fry realm, like I just, to me, it always goes with stir fry. What you described your dish that you were talking about, Martha, if you were, um, if you want a little teaching tip. So there's a lot of like layering happening. Mm. So he's like layering a lot of flavors in there, which is why it's simple, but also really good. So you have the bacon fat cooking and cooking in a fat like that. That's a flavorful fat is adding a lot of like depth of flavor. Also the soy sauce has a lot of like richness in it because it's like a fermented product. Um, and adding that in throughout is like building up the flavor. And then like you said, the lemon juice on top, what was the other thing you were adding at the end? Oh, honey, honey, the honey and lemon juice later. So there you have like sweetness and acid, which is all kind of balancing it out. And then you're managing the cooking time. So sounds delicious. Yeah.
1: Everyone to professional chefs that I'm good at cooking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually I should say a key thing is like, I never went to culinary school. I don't believe, I, I also think there's like kind of a problem. not necessarily a problem, but I just don't love in our culture that I, I mean, I love food, so I love that there's like food media and food shows and all that stuff is great and like people learn a lot from it, but I just don't want people to think that they can't cook because they're not on the food network, like, or that they have to watch hours and hours of that. No, like people have been cooking for all of time at home, making delicious food just in their normal everyday lives. Like you don't have to be Iron Chef to be able to make something really delicious for yourself during the week. Um, so I just don't want people to be intimidated by it. All that stuff that they
0: see. Well, on another podcast, you can teach me how to like eggs because that's where Oh I'm interesting. Terrified.
1: Okay. <laughs> Do you not like any eggs?
0: Uh we don't have time to get into
1: okay. it. <laughs> we'll, we'll drop it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Before we let you go, where can we find you? And is there anything else you know that you want us to know? Um any is your cooking course starting up? We'd love to hear that.
2: Yes. Uh, okay. So my website is garlicpressjess.com. And I'm on Instagram as garlicpressjess, although I haven't been posting a ton of cooking lately. I just haven't really felt like that's the right thing to be talking about. Um, but uh, my website, garlicpressjess.com, I send a Friday newsletter every Friday called Food for Thought Friday. So once a month, I send a recipe. Um, and then the other times, I send um, something to think about. Usually, it's like kind of like tips and strategies. So it might be something like the layering, it might be something like a simple trick to change up your vegetables the way you're cooking them or like how to make vegetables taste good, kind of more learning about cooking um, and then a recipe once a month. So that's probably the best place to engage with me is in my Friday newsletter. Um, you can sign up on my website, which is Uh So right now I am kind of coming out with some new stuff. So right now I'm actually working on <laughs> a quiz of like, what type of cook are you just to help people who come to my website and help kind of for me to like learn about what types of things people want to learn about. So that should be launching by the end of the month, uh, my little quiz of what type of cook you are. And then from there, I think I'm actually, I'm actually going to make a few kind of shorter classes. So like a one-time class, like 25 bucks or something that you can take kind of the fundamentals that I want to teach. So there'll be probably one about Um, vegetable storage. So I I I cook a lot of vegetables. I think people want to eat more vegetables but don't know how to make them taste good. Um, and so I I cook a lot of vegetables at home. I'm not vegetarian, but that's just I kind of believe in eating a lot of vegetables and everybody usually needs more help with that. So that's kind of a lot of what I talk about. Um, and I'm really obsessed with like vegetable storage. Sounds super nerdy, but like getting your vegetables not to go bad, I really hate food waste. So um I have actually on my if you go to my website, there's a whole Uh, section called The Kitchen Shop, where you can see all the kind of like bare necessity kitchen favorite tools that I have. And I have a whole section on there about veggie storage. So how to make sure your greens can keep for like a week, how to make how to store your carrots and celery to make them last longer. And I have kind of a whole guide on like how I store stuff and then the certain products that I use if you want to if you want to
0: get those. I made my mom make me soup today because my... (laughs) (laughs) celery and carrots were going bad oh
2: yeah so actually so if you store carrots submerged in water they'll last like weeks in the fridge um you can also store celery submerged in water i also have these favorite things that i found called these veggie bags although you could definitely make these at home like you don't have to buy this veggie bag it's basically just a towel that's sewn into a bag and so you wet it you like wring it out and then you store you can store like anything in there it keeps it fresh much longer so you can store lettuce you can store greens um, you can store carrots, you can store cucumbers, anything. It really helps them. Um, anyway, I have a whole guide on that on my website. So I'll probably be, be doing a class about, um, storing veggies and then also like buying veggies. Cause I think I like to try to only go to the store. Well, especially even now going to the store, like less often, um, and how to kind of buy the right mix of vegetables so that they don't all go bad at the beginning and so that you can make them last. Um, so I'll probably do kind of like a just overview class on that. And then um, I'll probably do a class on saute bowls, which is kind of like my go-to fast meal that I make pretty much every day for breakfast. Um, so probably do a class on that. And then a shorter class also on setting up your kitchen. Because I think if you don't love your kitchen or if you just, if your tools aren't really working for you, then cooking's not very fun. Um, so I don't think you need a lot of stuff, but it's just important to think about like a few things you could do to make your kitchen and your setup a little bit nicer so that it supports you and easier, more fun cooking. So anyway, I'm going to have those shorter classes and then uh, that'll be just available on my website all the time for anybody to buy. And then um, in the fall, I will probably launch my next version of my longer course, and it'll be a little bit more focused on. So, I really think that if you want to cook more often and have it be more fun, you kind of want to think a little bit more about like your system. We all kind of have a system of stuff that we already do. It's just like whether that system makes cooking feel easy or whether that system is kind of draining. Like, if, and it's all kind of individual based. So, some people, love going to the grocery store. Some people hate going to the grocery store. So like if you don't like going to the grocery store, I would say outsource, like, you, you know, do whatever you can to make <laughs> yeah. that part of it easier. And let's focus on the other stuff that you do like and like supporting you in that and making that stuff more fun and easier on you. Um. So I want the the next version of the course that I'll do will be a little bit more like individualized, focused on let's like look at your system as it is right now. And let's make like some small changes to make this better. And then I'll also share like, The things that I do that work well for me and the recipes that I use that work well for me based on these kind of things. So that'll be coming in the fall.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being on our show. I learned so much. Oh, so glad yeah no this was great and i feel like we should start a separate podcast about you (laughs) teaching people how to cook (laughs) because i need help
2: um i i I loved doing those little exercises that was really fun for me no
0: that was like really great (laughs) so (laughs) Uh,
2: you guys are awesome yeah Uh,
1: no that was awesome i um martha literally she's telling the truth she dm'd me in the middle of this thing i learned something
2: some <laughs> yeah. oh good
0: yeah <laughs> no, um, no, no, no. <laughs> i
2: mean i just like i'm obsessed with cooking it's so fun i could talk about it all day every day so like i yeah and i just want more people to cook and like enjoy it and love it as much as me so
0: <laughs> awesome well thank you so much again uh and thank you guys for listening to martha and colby grow up we will be back again in a month i suppose with another episode and in the meantime you can find us at four nations report that's the four nations report on itunes and then at four nations report the number four on twitter uh we'll see you next time us online at www.marthaandcolby or on twitter and instagram at martha and colby
1: thanks to Stephen boyd and dj empirical for all things sound
0: thanks to jordan from dreamful podcast for the artwork
1: shout out to irene even though you don't listen to this podcast
0: don't forget to rate us five stars and subscribe on apple podcast and we'll talk soon
1: We still haven't learned how to end the podcast. We'll talk to you on it. We, next we week. ended so or, good no, on the other podcast, week, though. Do oh my so- goodness!
0: <laughs> Bye. Bye.